You're listening to the Economics Review Podcast with your host, Adi Golcha. From Congress to Wall Street and finance to philosophy, tune into the Economics Review to hear from world-leading experts on current events and cutting-edge research. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Economics Review. Our guest today is a consultant to some of the biggest names in the online sales industry, a sought-after speaker at Amazon seller events around the world, and a trusted advisor to global aggregator companies. Passionate about sharing his valuable insights into Amazon selling, he founded TopDoc, a community where advanced sellers come together online, in person, and at live events. His latest book is titled Ride the Amazon Wave, The Pro Seller's Guide to Private Label Success. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Tomer Rabinovich. Thank you so much for joining us, Tomer. Hi, Abby. Thanks for having me. Well, firstly, as always, I'd like to start off by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background as well as your latest book and how it came about. Sure. Um, I basically started selling on Amazon uh, in 2015. I didn't really come in with a product idea or anything like that. I just did uh, an online course that basically teaches you to look at supply and demand on Amazon and uh, launch your first product. Um, after that, I, I started selling on Amazon while having a full-time job. Uh, quit that job after uh, two years. And uh, yeah, I've been doing Amazon since 2015, so seven years now. Uh, and in the past uh, four years, I've also been consulting businesses, as you've said as well. And uh, for the past two years, I've worked on this uh, massive project on this book because I couldn't travel anywhere. COVID hit, uh, and I had to figure out what I do with all of this free time that they have on my hands and decided to write a book. Okay, um, so today I wanted to walk step-by-step step through the journey of a first-time entrepreneur from start to success, uncovering all your tips and advice along the way. So let's imagine a hypothetical person called SellerX, who's developed a brand new, premium, eco-friendly, waterproof backpack. He's finished developing the product and setting up manufacturing, but has very little capital and wants to start selling via Amazon. So I wanted to start off by asking you about first steps. Does he create an Amazon seller account right away and just list the product, or is there a checklist of things he needs to do first? Yeah, so the first thing to do, I think, Amazon is like any other marketplace. So the first thing is if his product is actually good for Amazon. So he needs to check supply and demand. Maybe there are only big brands uh, selling on Amazon that specific product. Uh, maybe there is not enough demand for the product. Maybe there is. Uh, maybe it's saturated. Maybe you see thousands and thousands of reviews for everyone on page one for that product. So that's the first thing he needs to check. And maybe Amazon is not the right way to go. Maybe he should sell on his own store uh, online, or maybe he should sell on retail uh, to begin with. So uh, even before, like I, I think even before developing your product, you should check all of those different things uh, and see what it is. And even before that, I will say, if we think about the mindset for a second of an Amazon seller, I really think that if you want to sell, if you want to sell on Amazon, you need to understand this is a different beast than anything else you know. It uh, doesn't matter where you sell already. Uh, Amazon is all about selling a lot of stuff from the same product. So if you have, let's say, 2,000 uh, SKUs, 2,000 different products, um, Amazon is probably not the best place to put all of those uh, in. You really want to sell, instead of selling from one unit from each of the 2,000 units, from the 2,000 products, you are much better off having one product selling 100 or 200 units a day. Uh, that's what Amazon is all about and mainly selling commodities or stuff that people need every day or selling, let's say, more expensive products, uh, but then selling like a few of those a day and still making a lot of money with those. 
Okay, um, so let's assume for this example that um, his his product is um, sort of the the, the product that I, I talked about, say something like a, a brand new premium um, backpack sounds like something that would be a good fit for Amazon. Um, it's something that, you know, he's not developing a thousand different SKUs. He's got one premium product that's focused on uh, volume. So um, let's say he, he's got that. He's figured out Amazon is the right marketplace for him. Um, he sets he sets up his seller page, sets up his his listing. Um, on it's just gone live on Amazon, but he hasn't gotten any traction. He has little to no money and no existing customer base to market or promote to. So where what what are his next avenues? Yeah. So if uh, so, it starts and ends with a good product. So as long as he has a good product, he has a very good chance of succeeding on Amazon. I also believe that shoppers are very smart these days on how they shop and they can sense a better product. Uh, just by looking at the few listings. So that's very good that he has like that, that type of product. Um, so if he wants to launch that product, if he doesn't have a big budget and cannot invest a lot, so the first thing you can do is you can just activate Amazon's PPC. So pay-per-click, basically, if you type anything, uh, if you type uh, backpack on Amazon, uh, you will see the top two results are, it will say sponsored next to those. And if you click, uh, the seller is actually promoting that ad will pay for every single click. Uh, and you have a lot of different ads. You have video ads. You have different placements of ads. So that's the first thing he should be doing, regardless of any other strategy. And PPC is something that is used by sellers all the time. Doesn't matter like if they're launching or just selling the product. That you always keep pushing on on PPC. Um, the other thing you can do is you can use influencers because backpacks or sports and outdoors, I will say, is a very common thing to use influencers on. Uh, Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or just get people uh, just basically offer them a free product uh, to take some pictures or a video and basically post on their social media. Sometimes you pay them more than the free product, but then you have people kind of talking about your product, showcasing it, and that also helps to push the product forward. Um, in order to get reviews for the product, because we all know Amazon is uh, is really leading with reviews and people are really looking not just at the star rating, you want to be at least four and a half stars, but they're also looking at the overall amount of reviews that you have. So to get more reviews, that actually happens before. That happens in the product planning phase. You want to make sure you're actually investing a lot in the customer experience side when they open your product, use your product, store your product. Every single touch point that the customer has with your product is an opportunity for an amazing experience to create for them. So that's something that is neglected by a lot of sellers and they're kind of uh, faking their way to the top. Uh, in the past, it was very possible to buy fake reviews on Amazon. These days, it's not not so much. So these days, it's really all about having a very good product, a very good customer experience. And then you just need to invest a bit in the launch, just give it a bit of traction. And Amazon works kind of like a snowball. Once you Once the ball starts rolling, all of a sudden, you get ranked on Amazon for the main keyword. So if someone types outdoor backpack, let's say, and you're on page one, that can really help drive a lot of sales. Okay, cool. Um, so with let, let's start with the the pay per click um, advertising model. Um, so when when our hypothetical seller is going about um, activating pay per click, um, you know, obviously you mentioned there's a lot of different ways that he could go about doing that. There's video ads and um, you know different types of sponsored um, posts. So how how is when he's going about pay per click? What should he be looking out for to ensure that he's getting you know the maximum ROI? Yeah, so pay-per-click, there are a lot of different metrics you need to follow, and pay-per-click is becoming more and more complex on Amazon. I think 
if you think about Google ads, for example, a lot of people made easy money or quick money on Google ads uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, but now it's very difficult. And now you need an agency to run your ads for you. Same thing with Facebook. Facebook, you could run your own ads a few years ago. Now it's more complex and you probably need an agency. TikTok, for example, is booming right now. It seems like everything works, you know, so it's, it's kind of easy to make money. And you can probably do it on your own. But the Amazon is kind of like in between. So Amazon, you can still do it yourself, but it is getting more and more complex. So I do believe that in a, just in a pretty short period of time, you, you almost going to be forced to use uh, an agency or a very sophisticated software uh, to let it run for you. Uh, with pay-per-click, the metrics to follow, uh, I, I would just focus on one for now, but it's ECOS, so A-C-O-S. That basically means that um, uh, if you have 30% uh, ECOS, that basically means that for every 30 cents you pay, you get $1 back uh, in revenue. So um, usually what sellers do, when they, at least when they launch, is they aim for a break-even target ECOS. So let's say you break even at 30%, you should be aiming for 30% target ECOS um, as well. And that basically means that all the sales coming from PPC are break-even. And then all of your organic sales, all of the real sales you get without PPC are basically profit. Um, and there are products that uh, are... <laughs> PPC is so competitive these days that a lot of sellers, what they do is they just aim for break-even, even after the launch. So they are just profiting on the real sales. And PPC sales can be 10, maybe even 20% of your overall sales. Usually it's between, I would say, 8% to 15%. That's, I think, the average. Uh, so a lot of sales are coming from PPC uh, through Amazon. Okay, so now that PPC is set up, um... Uh, are there, I mean, you, you mentioned um, influencer marketing. So with, with PPC, say, um, you know, we've got a steady um, cash flow going, uh, the, the marketing efforts are paying off. What are the next essentials um, to, to start to scale and expand? Does he need to um, increase the number of products, focus on building a website and getting more direct sales, hiring a, a PR team, um, or something else entirely? What, what's the next steps to scaling and expanding on Amazon? Yeah, so a lot of sellers are actually making a lot of mistakes by trying to expand outside of Amazon or by also launching very different products. So let's say we have this backpack, right? Let's say we launch a black backpack on Amazon and it's working well. Now we think, okay, let's launch an outdoor lamp or something or uh, let's launch a helmet or whatever it may be, right? Let, let's say a complementary product. The issue with that, it's a new product. It's a different development. It's a different factory you need to work with. It's uh, different sets of keywords. PPC is going to be different. Everything is different. Um, so instead, what he should be doing is he should be launching, he should, he should be going deep with that product. What that means is he should be launching more colors, more sizes, more variety for that specific product based on what's already working for his competitors. So if all of his competitors have a pink version, uh, you also have different software that shows you how much actually each of those variations is uh, selling. And you can then realize you can then understand uh, which one you should go for first. Um, so that's what he should be doing. And at the same time, he should be developing another product or two or three. But the good thing about Amazon, I've seen seven, eight-figure businesses that are doing, that have two, three, four products, essentially. And then they just go deep with those products. So I call the strategy like going deep and going wide uh, with the variety of products that you're selling. Uh, because if you want to build a brand, you need like, more than one product, obviously, because you want to do cross-selling, you want to show up on the thing you bought together on Amazon. 
but you shouldn't really urge yourself to kind of expand to other marketplaces or retail or your own direct consumer store or um, or other 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 things there. Um, when it comes to uh, the other things to watch out for, so pay-per-click is obviously a, a major one, and that's your second biggest expense. The biggest expense is actually inventory. So uh, you really need to be on point with your inventory management. Inventory was a fiasco during during COVID. Now it's a lot better. Prices got down. Um, so it's now uh, pretty simple to manage. For those who don't know, you can actually send the, like, the difference between Amazon and, let's say, eBay is that Amazon, eBay is just a website. Amazon is a whole other, other beast. So Amazon actually lets you store your inventory in their facilities. And that's why I can send inventory from China to Amazon, sell my products there. And uh, when someone buys on Amazon Prime, two-day free shipping, Amazon actually uh, takes the product from their warehouse and ships it to them. And that's why I, like as a seller, uh, like a third-party seller, I can get uh, Prime as well for all of my customers across the U.S. Uh, buying through Amazon. And this also includes uh, different countries in Europe, India, Australia, and there are many different, in Japan, there are many different places around the world that actually uh, have Amazon there and you can expand uh, globally. But again, expanding globally is another thing that they wouldn't recommend uh, a beginner seller to do until they have a very strong foundation with at least a few people on their team. Okay, um, cool. So next I wanted to ask about um, performance indicators. Um, so you, you have a, a chapter in the book about performance indicators as well. So what important metrics should our hypothetical seller X keep an eye out for? And how does this affect his, his operation? Yeah, so uh, performance indicators, again, this is why I mentioned Amazon is very different than other, other places. Uh, if you have, let's say, a retail store or a different online store, and I will tell you, look, you can sell either two units and make a $100 profit, or you can sell one unit and make a $100 profit. You would probably rather sell one, right? And kind of make basically more profit per unit sold. On Amazon, that's not the case uh, most of the time. Most of the time, you prefer to sell as many units as possible while making the most profit possible. Because Amazon is just, a, I see it as a big, a big game. So let's say there is a big pie chart of people buying this backpack every single day on, on Amazon. Let's say they buy a thousand backpacks on Amazon on average every day. If I'm selling a hundred backpacks a day um, for, uh, I don't know, $2,000 profit, I might prefer selling 200 backpacks a day making the same $2,000 profit because every sell that I make is a sale someone else didn't make. And also I get more reviews. I get better ranking on Amazon. I might get a bestseller badge on Amazon. So over like long-term thinking, I'll probably win the long-term game, the long long-term game here. And I'm basically focusing on three things. I'm focusing on my profit, ranking, and sales. Those are the most important indicators uh, for uh, selling on Amazon, I believe. And there are things like ROI and cash flow. I mean, you have to make sure you have enough money uh, to run operations uh, such as this, and you don't want your return on investment, the ROI, to go too low. Probably not under fifty percent. Okay, um, so next I wanted to ask about the autopilot model. So say SellerX has an established cash flow and marketing plan. He wants to move on to the next entrepreneurial venture. Uh, what are the steps to putting his Amazon business on autopilot? Yeah, so with uh, autopilot, what again, what most sellers do, I think what most entrepreneurs do is they just launch product after product or service after service 
and don't really think about scaling it or how they're going to take a week off or two weeks off of their business. Uh, and if they just keep launching new products or just taking on more projects or more clients, uh, they're going to be burnt out at some point. It does, it's not scalable. So they have to think a bit, a bit ahead. And what I've done and I talk about in the book, I talk about four different business models and how I landed on the autopilot method. But basically, I have two managers on my team managing five more people. So it's a very lean business. I didn't want to have uh, a huge business. And with a lean team, you can still run a seven or eight figure business and live very comfortably um, with just a very small team. And basically what happens is the, the team is handling almost every aspect of the business. The only thing I, I'm still involved in is give, providing green lights. That means that every shipment that goes out goes through me. All new product samples get to my house to, to approve and validate them. Like everything goes uh, with, with me saying yes to and giving a green light to. But the team basically handles everything else. Um, and what we've also done, I think, a bit differently than most businesses is we don't have any, I would call them experts on the team. So we don't have a photographer or graphic designer or a sourcing team on the team. We outsource that to experts. So we have a lot of different partners. We outsource to uh, freelancers, agencies, software companies, whatever it may be, and they are doing the work for us. So graphic design, for example, is a tricky one because you need a packaging designer, you need a flyer, you want an insert card, you want instructions. So for each of those, we have different designers we work with, top of their top of their field. But we want if we hire the full time graphic designer, they're probably not at the same level with all of those. And if they are, they're going to be super expensive. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to hire that person full time. And also, we don't need that person full time doing instructions all day long. So um, that's why we outsource everything to experts, and we have a very a very strong team in place um, to support. Okay, so what would what would be your tips for for putting together this team? So, um, you know, from from sort of converting to say a, a one man enterprise to, um, and, and then sort of shifting to an autopilot model and, and making sure that, um, you know, the model is high trust enough that our our hypothetical seller can you know totally um, back off and keep making sort of passive income almost. Yeah. So what happened to me was I basically the, the initial mistake I made is I basically kind of did put patches on my business. So what I mean by that is uh, I hired someone, I need customer support. So I hired someone for customer support for two hours a day. I needed PPC, hired someone for that. Needed graphic design, hired someone for that, and so on. And I had 12 people on my team all reporting to me. I was very much the bottleneck of my own business. Let everyone go and start from scratch into the autopilot. So what I've done differently is that the first, I believe, one, two, three hires that you do are critical for your success in your business. So those people are the core people on your, in your business, and those should be management material. So when you hire them during the interview process, even if they start with customer support or they start with something basic, you should tell them during the interview process, I want you to become managers at some point. Um, and then you will get also very different people uh, applying. You will get very different people or very different answers during the interview. And also when they actually start, so what I did is I started with someone who is very, I'm very analytic. So I hired someone who is very creative. So she was handling customer support. Then I gave her product research. Then I gave her to talk to photographers, graphic designers, um, copywriters as well. And I just gave her more and more tasks over time. And then I promoted her to become a manager. And she actually helped me to hire the next person who was a customer support person. Um, and 
that way, uh, I only taught two people. I only taught that those two managers, and they taught the rest of the team. So uh, it also saved a lot on the training aspect. But also, if someone takes a day off or someone uh, needs some help, like the managers are there to support them with whatever they need. And uh, if one manager needs like a month off, the other manager can take over and, and help them out with whatever they need. So it's a very again lean business, and it's uh, a very a very strong business as well. Okay, um, so next I wanted to ask you about selling the business. So um, say that the business has gone, you know, successfully, um, but and it's on autopilot. But our hypothetical seller X needs capital um, for his next venture. Um, what are the steps that he needs to go through to secure a buyer and get the best possible price? So uh, a few years ago, uh, aggregators came into this uh, into this realm of Amazon uh, private label brands, and basically they are buying multiple brands and building a portfolio together and scaling those brands with a massive team behind it. So uh, some companies have 10 people on their team, others have hundreds of people on their team. Um, so uh, th there are a few aggregators now that are doing over nine figures uh, overall. And I consulted a few of them. So I've seen it from the aggregator side. I've seen like dozens of businesses being acquired by them. And I've also seen from the seller side that I basically consult for it and coach and help them exit their own business for the highest amount possible. So what's needed if you want to sell your business, uh, looking at this backpack example, if all you have is one product and it's doing, let's say, even a million in sales a year, that's not a very uh, easy to sell business because it's only one SKU. It's, uh, it can go from a million to zero in a second, right? Like we don't know what will happen to the product, to the niche. Maybe it will become saturated. Maybe um, one thing you have in the backpack is actually patented. You didn't even know. So to, in order to kind of increase the multiple of your business when you actually exit, you want to have at least a few products in your portfolio and hopefully at least a few of them are doing over 50k a month in revenue those are called hero products so basically doing like over half a million a year in sales is what you want to aim for uh so uh and also whenever you think about if you think about exiting your business or even when i have i see sellers start these days with the goal to exit their business at some point what i tell them is look if you think about the next product launch you, th you should think five to eight years of selling it. So if you, let's say, launch a power bank, as an example, that's probably going to become obsolete in a year or two after it's being launched because there's going to become a stronger, better model uh, very quickly or cell phone cases, right? Like stuff like that are probably uh, very difficult to kind of build a business around and then sell that business for, for a high amount. But if uh, the most um, sued after categories are pets, for example, that's a very easy thing to brand. And those products are probably going to sell for many years to come if you sell, let's say, a dog leash or dog supplements or stuff like that is uh, is a very can be a very strong business uh, from the uh, acquisition side. If you have patents like utility patents, design patents, um, any uh, obviously your trademarks and IP and all of those things are kind of giving you a, a very strong defense behind you as well. Uh, so pets is a very strong category. Home and kitchen, sports and outdoors, kind of categories that are evergreen throughout the year. Uh, one category that is kind of struggling to find buyers is toys, because toys are very Q4 dependent uh, on Christmas. That's uh, almost like a 10 to 1 ratio uh, uh, between the rest of the year. So that's one aspect of it. A lot of the toys are also electronic, so that uh, overcomplicates it as well. And a lot of toys become, again, like uh, not relevant after one, two, three years. 
So uh, that's um, that's a very difficult. Like there are obviously buyers for any category, but that one is a bit more difficult um, to sell if that if that's what you're selling. Okay. Um, so next, I want to ask you about some common mistakes you see, not necessarily through just the the autopilot or or the selling um, part of this uh, process. But just overall, from you know start to success, what are some common pitfalls, some common mistakes you've seen um, going through this process yourself or with your clients um, that you think new sellers um, often make that that they could easily avoid? Yeah. So the first one I think is is again if you if you hit gold, if you have a good product, I think uh, the first mistake I see is okay. So you tell yourself, okay, I figured this game out. This is what happened to me. I launched my first product, it, it hit well, and then I launched three more products and they all failed. Um, and I think the mistake I, I I think I was just lucky with my first product more than anything else. And I think I became uh, very arrogant that I think I understand how it all works, and I didn't really. And then I, I changed my methods of like finding products again and went deeper and actually improved the product significantly, so I could launch something that is better on Amazon than what existed already. Um, if you just launch like a Me Too product, if you just launch the same thing that already exists on Amazon, you're not gonna. Uh, succeed probably it's uh, uh, that doesn't really work anymore maybe it worked in 2015 but these days it doesn't so it, um, a, a big mistake as well is let's say you work for a product for a few months it might be like you sort you talk to maybe Chinese suppliers and you get samples to your house and uh, you do another sample and another sample and then the fourth sample comes in and you say okay it's not it's not exactly what I wanted but let's launch it anyway because I worked on it for like three months now um, so you really don't want to do that. Uh, and the other thing you want to do is if it's been three months since you've been done product research, you want to do research again just before paying the deposit to your supplier because uh, if you don't, um, you are uh, in a big risk of um, the market being saturated or your product not relevant anymore. Maybe there are better products on, on Amazon already. So um, you need to remember that anything you do up to the paying the first deposit to the supplier, usually 30% of the cost, Everything by that point is research, and you need to have different products, like five to ten different products that you research at any given time. Because if you research only one or two products and kind of developing them and working on them, then you will feel almost obligated to launch them eventually, and you don't want to to have that uh, to have that feeling. Um, besides that, I guess uh, when launching, I think a lot of sellers don't really push hard enough. During the launch phase, I think they are, and also they think very short term. They think, okay, I'm selling uh, 10 units a day for five days. Let's raise the price. Usually you start with a lower price and you start raising the price slowly. Uh, I'm playing a much longer game here. So if if it means I have to be, let's say, break even even with my first stock, uh, that's what I'll do. You know, if I see that like the sales are not uh, not to the ratio that I want or uh, with the goals I set ahead of time, then I will just keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing until I get to the point that I want to be in. And also the reviews. I want to be at, uh, at the point where I have enough reviews uh, to support myself as well. So I think that anything from product research to product launch is um, is missed by a lot of sellers. And the other thing I think is really building a team. And one thing I didn't talk about is putting systems together to support that team. But basically thinking about the different tools you need on the back end, if it's like a task management tool, how you save your files on Google Drive and how you organize your data and the emails and all of those, uh, it's small things, but that's what you do every single day uh, in this business. So you, those are things you have to consider 
as well. And those are missed by so many cells. And I think that's the main thing I consult on these days. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to maybe um, perhaps just to, just to finish off, take a step back and actually, um, you know, talk to you more about the book. Um, so obviously you, you talked about how um, you went through the, the two-year process to write this book. Yeah, um, undoubtedly, a lot of research went into that. So was there anything that was especially surprising, um, some you know, insights that you learned from the process of researching or writing this book that you didn't, that you didn't expect that were surprising for you, maybe? Um, yeah, I think um, I, so nothing really came as a surprise because the book came from different lectures that I've done over the years and, and stuff that I kind of figured out. I think uh, what I mentioned about key performance indicators, that's one thing that I don't think a lot of sellers think about. Like I did that in my consulting for eight-figure sellers and even aggregators, and it's not something that they even thought about. They are only looking at their bottom line profit, let's say. But maybe they are losing rank, maybe they're losing market share, and like over time, they're just going to lose overall. So um, I think that that's a big one, I think, for a lot of sellers that are already kind of giving me feedback about the book as well. That's one chapter that is missed. Uh, by many. And also the other surprising aspect is when, again, when I consult even seven or eight figure sellers, the fact that they are using just WhatsApp or Skype for communicating with each other and don't really have any, any sorted like task management tool in place or really anything, you know, to kind of support that uh, pretty big business. That is always a shocker to me or like having like a one man show with an eight figure business is very surprising to see as well. And that happens. Uh, uh, happened to me a few times. Okay, well, those are all the questions that I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Tomer. Yeah, thank you so much, Adi. Okay, um, Tomer Rabinovich's latest book um, is titled Ride the Amazon Wave, The Pro Seller's Guide to Private Label Success. It's available now. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Economics Review. And as always, we'll be back soon with the latest.